Hi, and welcome to Zed Games. Recorded live at 4ZZZ Studios in Brisbane and broadcast nationally over the community radio network, Zed Games brings you the latest gaming news, reviews, and interviews from across Australia and around the world. Hello, you are now listening to Zed Games, Australia's favourite gaming radio program. Coming at you live on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM in Brisbane, or you might be listening nationwide thanks to the Community Radio Network. I am Razor, joining you for another exciting episode, and with me, my illustrious colleagues, welcoming back Tom McGlurkin. It is so good to be here and be illustrious. Where yes. have you been? I yeah. have been on holiday oh. in the Bahamas. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been I've been sitting at home, really, mm. just playing video games. Sounds nice. more accurate. Nice. Yeah. That's... The voice of Candy Payne is also here. That's me. The disembodied voice of Candy Payne. <laughs> it's just floating weird, in the air. But that's me. <laughs> and also joining us for another episode, Chris Cobcroft from the new releases show Fame. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're here to review Battletech for us this week. Chris? I am. I yeah. was thought it was uh, <sighs> disgusting, basically, that you hadn't said anything about giant robots in such a long time. So here I am. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a year or two, like where I was just obsessed with Voltron. Mm. I think from the years twenty twelve to. Oh, I thought you were going to say like when you're at the age of twenty. No, to, no, no, no. To what now? I had like a, a resurgence of Voltron interest in my life. Yeah, you, 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 were, were, about you were older than twenty twelve, so you were about six then. Uh, uh, no, I was a grown man. Oh. <laughs> Let's leave the age ambiguous. So, but you still wore the little <laughs> pants, though, right? Yeah, I'm all about Voltron, giant robots, and. Battletech has a lot of giant robots, Chris? It, it has most of the giant robots because it's... <laughs> actually, it'll be part of the review, but it's uh, originally, back in the day, it stole most of the giant robots from anime because nobody in the West knew what anime or giant robots were back then. Mm, interesting times. Mm, actually, it is, it is quite interesting. More to come on that. Uh, I, think, I think if you're going to build a robot, it should be giant. Pretty much. I mean, you know... Go what? big. I mean, you can always miniaturize later when, you know, the government says, well, it's a great robot, but, you know, before we give you that... <laughs> it has uh, military applications if it's yeah, the, Yeah, that, that kill-all-humans um, uh, uh, contract that we uh, <laughs> want to give you, it needs to be miniaturized. And you go, well, I'm glad you asked. I'm here for that. And then you can keep the, um, you know, uh, the, the giant version for backyard use. Yeah. No, I like little robots. I like little minions. They can just run around and help with things. Yeah. Like do, killing do all, all your chores. World domination. Yeah. Finished sweeping floor. Kill all humans. Let's <laughs> <laughs> can I, I kill all humans now? Yeah. Look, I, I just don't trust Roomba. Um, oh, oh my gosh. Speaking of Roomba, so my neighbour. I, I know we're going way off topic. Zed here. Yeah. Brought to you by <laughs> don't Roomba. Don't even care because this is cool. My neighbour just bought a Roomba motor mower. So you know Ooh. how like the Roomba sweeps your floors. This one literally just goes back and forth no until it bumps into the fence. No potential whatsoever for that going lawn. wrong. That, mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Give, give it I play. haven't even seen Lawnmower Man, but it was silent. So I can't see how that would go wrong. <laughs> Whatever. I love my neighbour because this is the first silent motor mower in our neighbourhood. So I'm stoked. I'm hoping everyone else gets on board. Oh, okay. <laughs> silence. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what else will be silent when there are no humans left? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you're giant. Oh, right. Steering they haven't done that in Terminator yet, have they? <laughs> <laughs> this this aside about the you know the the future of robotics has been fascinating. But mm. let it, let me steer us back on course to the topic of hand, which is this radio program, uh, also featuring in an upcoming segment later on the episode. Tom, you've 
You've been down in Sydney with some esports action. Yeah, but it's nowhere near as interesting as the Giants. <laughs> All right, I've, come on. I've been I've been watching. Uh, uh, I, I I was I was lucky enough to attend IEM Sydney Intel Extreme Masters. Uh, and it was all about CSGO, Counter-Strike Global Offensive. All the pros there, big international thing, and uh, you can have my full roundup later on if you just keep on listening. Very cool. But first, the week in gaming news headlines with Miss Candy Payne. Sure. Microsoft has unveiled a new controller for gamers with restricted mobility called the Adaptive Pad. Developed in consultation with a range of organisations including Able Gamers and the Cerebral Palsy Foundation, the Adaptive Pad is a flat board with two large circular programmable buttons as well as 19 mini jack inputs on the rear to trigger external buttons and thumbsticks. Xbox boss Phil Spencer said our goal was to make the device as adaptable as possible so gamers can create a setup that works for them in a way that is plug-and-play, extensible and affordable. In addition to working with common adaptive switches that gamers with limited mobility may already own, it has two large buttons built in. The controller has a US $99 price tag, although there's no Australian price or release date as yet. I'm really loving second-place Microsoft. <laughs> um, because that the that's the sort of innovations that you have to do when you're being beaten thoroughly by PlayStation Ooh. to try and stay relevant. And I'm, I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that, you know, PlayStation doesn't need to do things like this because they're already, you know, up the top of the mountain going, Oh, we're winning, we're winning, sweet. Um so this is great. And this is actually an incredible innovation that will be like a deal maker for so many gamers that that just can't use normal controllers. Yeah, it's great. Everything you said there, I I uh, give that a big thumbs up. I, I and I'm glad you explained it because I, I was going Microsoft helping people. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> They're more of the kill all humans kind of. It's, it's the same way. Like last generation with, with Microsoft on top, they were had really like anti consumer policies. Mm. This time now they're they're chasing. Microsoft, uh, so they're, they're chasing PlayStation sales, mm. and they're trying to, you know, get the goodwill of the gamer population, and that's that's just great for gamers all around. Yeah, do you, absolutely. Do you think this is more of a publicity stunt, or more of a, uh, actually uh, somebody sitting up and saying, "Hey, we want to do this good thing"? Well, it's a bit of both, isn't it? Like it, I wouldn't doubt that this is a financially driven initiative. However. A side effect of that is that, you know, gamers with limited mobility now have a sweet controller that they can use. And it actually has like 19 3.5 millimeter jacks at the back, one for every single mm. conceivable input of the controller that you can plug in, like I think these these very common switches that a lot of people might already use in that mm. situation. So, I mean, that's that's fantastic. I just like the fact that they've actually taken the time to meet with organizations that can actually direct them accurately on how to build this and they're not just going out there assuming they know what is best for people or what looks comfortable or what physically works or you know what is Mm. easy to use but they're actually doing the proper consultation work which i don't know you gotta do the legwork yeah you do yeah look i I I really agree with you i I, actually it's funny um microsoft like a lot of big organizations tends to serve up uh Oh, I could get sued for this. Broken products, and then uh, scramble to in the uh, tech support to make them really work. Mm-hmm. And if that ongoing support is there for a product like this, which will really need it um, to meet the uh, the needs of uh, a very diverse 
range of differently abled people, then that'd be really awesome. Um, I, I guess that will also um, show us whether they really mean it about this product as well. Well, I just think it's smart. Like if they've got any long-term future thinking, I think it's not necessarily just for gamers that this would be useful. It it becomes a product that can be used in many different forms of like therapy and rehab and in hospitals. And it just suddenly it's a product that's not just for like at-home gamers that need extra assistance or, you know, a different setup, but it's got a much wider appeal, I think. And I hope that's where it's actually going and not just, I don't know, yeah. it's a bit of a money maker in the meantime. This is a real turn up. I did not ease. see myself fellating Microsoft uh, this <laughs> week on radio. I don't, that's, that's don't just think great. anyone. Unfortunately, I just, I just got that mental image and. <laughs> We can radio, on. there's not supposed to be images. <laughs> That's totally on you. Mm. <laughs> we Happy Few, an indie game showcased at E3 several years ago, has been refused classification in Australia. The game appears to be in breach of the requirement that games are not to feature drug use related to incentives or rewards. One of the game's central mechanics revolves around the use of Joy, a performance-enhancing drug that is also central to the storyline. It's not the first time that the clause has resulted in trouble with the local classifications board, with Fallout 3 having to work around the requirement prior to release in Australia. Candy, well, you said well, that well. you've actually got this game already I through this early game access. Months and months and months ago. Are you prepared are you to hand yourself? User? No. Firstly, are <laughs> you are you prepared to hand yourself into the authorities for possessing illegal content? I've done nothing wrong. I yeah. didn't <laughs> acquire this game illegally. I bought it on my Xbox. Do you blame your out of like control drug use on on computer games? No. <laughs> I blame it on movies, and therefore movies oh. should have stricter restrictions. No, I'm uh. kidding. No, I don't see. I don't. Uh, I don't know. This is a really hard one because I played it, and I actually really got into it. It must. It obviously was an early release that I played. You got into um, the drug or the game? The game. Okay, I don't. Right. I don't. I mean, I understand what they're saying. Candy I get what the clause. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're done now. <laughs> I get what the clause is. I don't see the issue because that is literally the whole storyline. You start off. You're investigating the death of your brother or something like that, and it's set in this weird like post. I don't want to say post. Apocalyptic. I don't know what that is. It's kind of set in like... Dystopian. Dystopian, that's the word I'm going for. Thank you. It looks like the 1900s, but it's meant to be current because of the technologies that you're using, etc. Anyway, you're investigating the death of your brother, I think, uh, and you're basically given the choice. You either take this joy pill and continue seeing the world that you currently see, or you stop taking it and you see life for how it actually is. So, which is a very derelict, falling apart, everybody's very poor and it's, you know, it's a very tragic world or you take it and everything looks lovely again. Mm. So it's a really interesting gameplay. Um, Am I just a realist or like, is that like not a great... Uh, message anyway, you know, stop taking the drugs and see the real world. No, but it, no, but that's the thing. It's interesting because I didn't mm. want to take it. Mm. It became more of a um, a tool for like bargaining with people, or you know, when you like that's how I was using it. You know, I would keep so some in my backpack. Yeah, but you, you weren't often dealer. taking it because then you weren't seeing like the storyline that you needed to follow, and a lot of things would become more apparent, and the storyline would take you in a different way if you weren't taking it and looking at everything in in pretty pinks and purples all the time, but you were seeing the real life 
like slum of how everyone is suddenly living. So I, I mean, I understand what the clause is, but the game was really quite interesting in the setting and the game mechanics. And I actually wanted to keep playing. It just, as an early release, was quite glitchy. Uh, and if you made a mistake and died, because it was actually very easy to die, then it would take you right back to the beginning. And by the time I'd spent like five days playing this thing and putting everything into it, and then I died because of one silly mistake and went right back to the start. I was like, oh, I'm not going to go through this again because I, I didn't remember the sequence of events that you have to complete to get mm. to the next level. So it's one of those, you know. So I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it's... The right choice. I don't think it's the right choice because of the game style. You know, it's a very cartoony. Everyone's kind of wearing these white masks. It's all very masquerade mask looking, um, yeah. you know, very like mm. bold colours and like contrasting colours. And I don't know, it just, it doesn't feel right because it looks like such a fictional game anyway. It's not like it's a real life setting yeah. where this is enhancing. Oh, look, absolutely. Can I, 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 I mean, it's a cliche for me to say this uh, as a gamer, but uh, I really find the OFLC uh, to be unnuanced and enforcing the letter of the law. And I mean, even the way that uh, these problems are, Fixed because, uh, for instance, with Fallout 3, because they were desperate to get those Australian dollars there, they actually went and uh, changed the game so that you didn't have, um, what was it, heroin hypos? Uh, I think it was... Um, uh, they, they changed the good, to something like heroin. MedEx or something, yeah, yeah. yeah, which was essentially the same thing with uh, words that were just far enough away from reality yeah. um, to, to ha- stop the OFLC from uh, tripping out and uh, having having an attack. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, if, if that's it, if, if that's, you know, the level of your commitment to, uh, to enforcing censorship, why enforce it at all, you know? Well, my question is, why is this any different to... Far Cry 5 right now where I'm playing where the whole point is that you actually meet somebody that shows you how to make the drugs that will enhance your vision or your speed or your strength or all of these things. Like They are literally the exact same words so that's why I don't get how that made it through. If the whole point is that I'm constantly there trying to go through my like drugs wheel to get something that helps me yeah. run faster to well, get through I a mean, mission, I, I, what's the difference? I would think that the difference would be that uh, the OFLC has a very small number of employees hmm. and uh, that they're given um, a great deal of uh, flexibility in enforcing these standards and it uh, depends what boxes somebody ticks mm. when they're, they're reviewing a game yeah. um, as to what decision gets made, which is bizarre when you consider how much money can be involved in something like this, yeah. especially something like Fallout 3, which is why it got sold. Mm. Yeah, look, I just, I don't know. We have a, whether it's by accident or um, intent, uh, we have a quite an activist um, uh, uh, censorship board in Australia. Uh, and I, sometimes I feel like I'm being too, just leave my games alone. But at other times, I really think that uh, that we could do with some oversight on the oversight I, I feel like an asshole do you mean it. like amendments to the the classifications guidelines and things like that yeah I because just... they are stricter than the ones that um, film and literature have to adhere to the video games 
Yeah, look, absolutely. But just in in Australia in general, we we make some um, some pretty out there decisions, um, you know, which don't fall in line with the rest of the OECD um, and other Western liberal democracies. Uh, I mean, and you know, I know that there are other countries, especially in Europe, where you get some pretty um, loopy decisions made, uh, um, some pretty um, heavy handed things like. Uh, Oh, I don't want to get started in a whole thing, but, you know, Germany has some pretty um, serious uh, uh, laws about what you can uh, and mm-hmm. cannot uh, uh, portray in terms of Nazis, for instance. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, I just so often find uh, that uh, the good work that is actually done um, stopping things which, you know, I mean, just look at all those horrific titles uh, on Steam, which people genuinely shouldn't be looking at. Because um, they're low-budget trash that are designed to exploit um, the worst aspects of human nature, um, you know, we should be stopping that. Um, I agree. Um, I think we should ban Candy Crush before we <laughs> ban this. Ban Candy Crush. Ban Candy Crush. Does anyone still play that? And I don't know. <laughs> Paladins, a first-person team-based shooter commonly accused of borrowing its premise from Blizzard's smash hit Overwatch, has come under fire for the use of Overwatch art assets in a recent promotional campaign. An eagle-eyed Reddit user noted that the background of a promo image for the mobile game Paladins Strike was an exact match for the loading screens of one of the maps in Overwatch. A spokesperson for Hi-Rez Studios said that the promo material was created by an outside agency that they have already severed their relationship with. It's pretty a bit brutal. sneaky. It's a bit embarrassing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they didn't really need that. Uh, Paladins, I think it's a good game, you know, from all accounts. I haven't played it myself. Uh, but, yeah, the main... But to blatantly rip off The art, main thing is, yeah. okay, this this is an Overwatch ripoff, and now that to have actually ripped off actual assets from Overwatch, it's, it doesn't look Getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a bit um, yeah. embarrassing for all parties. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I think that was that's, just that's a final answer. Yeah. yeah. That's it for the weekend gaming news headlines. You're listening to Zed Games. Chris, you've been playing a game about giant robots called Battletech. I have. I have indeed. The beloved franchise has returned in a guise very close to its uh, tabletop origins, uh, which is so different from where it's ended up uh, that most people probably don't even recognize that name, Battletech. Um Yep, okay. Um, but if I said... <laughs> nope. We're all just shaking our heads All right. Here. So <laughs> Review what, over. What is, what is, <laughs> no one cares. What's a battle tech? Uh, well, it's it's actually a mech warrior. Um, uh, so, uh, I know mech warrior. Everybody is very yeah. familiar with the uh, the gaming franchise mech warrior, which we're, we're even about to get a new one, aren't we, this yep. year? Hopefully. Yep. Fingers crossed. Don't want to jinx it. Um, but way back in the day, it's, uh, mech warrior was uh, a riff off a tabletop hex-based uh, board game where you had little robots gi- representing giant robot miniatures that um, blew the crap out of each other. And um, Battletech is the uh, attempt by some people who've been uh, with the franchise for a very long time to uh, do as close as possible uh, uh, computer gaming rendition of the tabletop game, uh, which has like aficionados of that from the 1980s uh, really excited but does it have other people excited I mean do we need something like that uh, I mean you guys again you didn't know about it so yeah, uh, yeah great I think we answered that question mm. uh, look um, 
despite uh, the complete nonplussedness of this studio, um, <laughs> there is a, quite a lot of nostalgia for the Battletech universe, um, uh, which I share, despite it being arguably one of the hokiest giant robot mythologies. Um, it's it's. I don't know if you've run across the distinction between Western and Eastern giant robot mythologies. Um, can you give us a quick recap? No. Oh, no. very quick. So Eastern is, is is basically Gundam. You know, you've got uh-huh. super fast, um, uh, 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 powerful robots yeah. that fly through uh, space and are piloted by emo teenagers. Um, I saw that anime um, Neon Genesis. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, a very Eastern version. Um, Macross is... is <laughs> Were you taking the mickey there? You were. No, 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 no. no. Continue. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. So Battletech is is the polar opposite. It's the most Western of uh, robot mythologies. It's got a sort of a more, if I can damage the term by saying it's a more hard sci-fi mythos with real people doing real battle. Yeah, Uh, It's more like chunky and clunky robots. Yeah, and the robots are are slow. They... Mm lumber across the battlefield like tanks and uh, take chunks out of each other. And do they have American flags on the side and then, like, guys with moustaches and cowboy hats going, yee Only, only, <laughs> only in robot jocks. Um, uh, goodness, let's bring back robot jocks. We really need a, a, a computer game version of that. I think it's more like guys with cigars hanging out of their mouth with scars on their faces. Oh, yeah. Is that battle-hardened, grizzled, grizzled veterans? Oh, yes. Look, actually, the uh, the mythology of uh, Battletech is surprisingly deep. It um, There were a lot of teenagers in the 80s and 90s who were starved of giant robots, and uh, Battletech uh, really filled a gap there, and a lot of people got into it, and there's a lot of tie-in novels mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of uh, gaming, uh, tabletop, role-playing, etc., um, uh, books... Um, and other paraphernalia was sold off the back of it. Anyway, the gay, uh, the robots are slow and ponderous, and that's kind of worked its way into the gameplay here. Uh, it's turn-based, and it's extremely meditative, and in fact, uh, the uh, developer, Hairbrained, kind of doubled down on that by introducing lots and lots of really uh, long animations, which have um, had um, quite a lot of complaints, and they're um, bringing out a mega patch fairly soon to try and... Uh, speed the game up quite a bit so that people uh, don't have to spend, you know, each each uh, round of the game, each scenario can take, you know, an hour to two hours. Um, it's it's quite a significant time mm-hmm. investment. Um, if I'm turning you off, I may turn you back on or maybe turn you off further by saying the closest thing that I can think of that it reminds me of um, was quite surprising to me when I actually worked it out. It's XCOM 2. Um, it's very, very similar. You... Uh, take a team of warriors with a range of different skill sets uh, and weapon loadouts in, onto the field in search of hidden enemies that uh, will really test you tactically. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not as nasty as XCOM 2. I've, I've never been able to mm. really get into XCOM 2, um, although I know a lot of people have. Um, this, this game is not as challenging as that, which is good. Um, and another thing which is good, it's really good how engaging the basic tactical game is. Uh, Spending an hour slowly manoeuvring around a battlefield to corner the elusive enemy and blow their arms off is unexpectedly fun. Um, It's, yeah, it's quite addictive. And I think uh, once you get past that initial uh, slowness of it, uh, it, uh, most people stick with it, which is is good. Uh, And it's one of those um, uh, easy to pick up but difficult to master scenarios. Um, You've 
find things like your pirate uh, your pilots come with all sorts of different little skills which really diversify um, as mm-hmm. as you go on and uh, your um, understanding of those allows you to um, uh, get through uh, missions which would otherwise be impossible so there's a lot of depth to it um, hmm yeah, it's it's especially surprising because they have really only focused on the core game here. Uh, uh, there are lots of things I feel they left out because they were just scrambling with their small Kickstarter budget to get in and uh, make that core game. Uh, a lot of other things got left out, but the uh, the core game is is actually yeah, it's really it's really a lot of fun. I can highly recommend it. Feel free to jump in and ask any questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the second mech-based strategy game that's uh, on my radar for this year. What's the other one? Into the Breach. Oh, yeah. That's a very, very different game. Yeah. Did you play that? I did. Yeah. Um, I have yet to really... Because it's, it's that extremely was, that, yeah, that difficult. Yeah, was the game I was thinking of, too. What's what's mm. the difference between the two? Oh, well, um, Into the Breach is more like... Um, uh, uh, FTL, uh, mm-hmm. which, and it's it's, yeah, it's it's the roguelike elements and stuff. There's there's a very light story as you're going through. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, no. uh, I mean, I uh, again, that's a game that I mean, people liked even more than they liked BattleTech. Uh, uh, but it's uh, yeah, I I mean, other than that, they both feature giant robots. Um, they're very little that's similar to about them. Um, it's almost um, uh, I, I'd say that uh, Into the Breach is more of a puzzle game than a um, uh, it's certainly not as this is a yeah. turn-based strategy it's, game. It's chess-like, I would I would say. It's more like chess because it's an eight by eight grid, whereas this is kind of a very large three D rendered uh, environment with enemies that just pop out randomly. Whereas um, Into the Breach doesn't surprise you like that. No, I, I think uh, Into the Breach uh, probably has you know I mean those guys are geniuses of that kind of game, and it's probably the uh, more solid of the two. Uh, I do have small gripes, just to get back to uh, Battletech. Um, um, I did find I was doing things like uh, gaming the AI to win. You can pretty much... It's, it's actually it's quite a lot like um, uh, Total War um, in that you can predict a fairly stupid AI and uh, lure them in and then set up your guys in a firing line and just mow them all down, um, which you kind of need to do sometimes because the, uh, another thing that's a problem with the game, it has... Uh, uh, really unbalanced difficulty. Uh, some some missions are just total cakewalks, and others, which you're not expecting, um, will just be uh, team wipe um, episodes. Uh, which, when you have to put in so much effort to building your team, can be um, a really really nasty thing to have happen to you. Do you mean to say that there's there's perma death as well in there, or? Um, like, you uh, can uh, w- you can lose the game. Um, yeah. uh, so, uh, so what happens if when all you of your pilots get wiped out? Um, your ability to um, uh, play the the meta game, the strategic level. Um, I actually found this on my first playthrough. I had to go back and start again because I was running out of money uh, because I didn't reload after my pilots got killed and just hired new crappy pilots. And mm. it made it impossible to get through missions. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's definitely sounding very XCOM to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. You, you, actually, you, yeah. I had you realized that. like way too late in the game yeah. that, that, you, <laughs> that, that a mistake you made early on has uh, really hindered you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can either <clears throat> see that as a um, uncompromising good thing about it, or you can see it as uh, another one of those a uh, massive design flaw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think games nowadays generally are just the difficulty curve is just too smooth. You know, you you yeah. go up in little increments, and 
and and it really presents a sort of challenge. I quite like games that every now and then will surprise you, you know, intentionally or otherwise, mm. with a massive difficulty spike, and all of a sudden you're you know scratching your head with all your your players dead or whatever, and um, you, you're wondering where did I go wrong and how can I. Uh, advance through this. Mm, yeah. Well, but you, you with the time would... investment you mentioned yeah. before, yeah. um, I can oh, see how that would be super uncool. <laughs> um, you two may feel differently about this, but uh, uh, the game does plateau in difficulty once you get above that initial lip, I find. Um, and it's, it, it goes in some interesting places. Um, again, I said they focused on the core game here. The strategic game allows you to go across the Battletech universe to different uh, uh, space states and uh, different planets. Um, But the map feels extraordinarily empty um, and you know, you can't really randomly job about. You have to go where the missions are and there's only ever one or two planets at a time which are offering you missions. So that, that felt like an opportunity missed. Do they look very different? The, the planets. I mean, this looks to me like a bunch of green mountains. Yeah, again, that's you've, you've focused on another thing, which is not particularly great. A lot of the environments are very samey. Some are not. Um, there's like, for instance, there's volcanic worlds, there's arctic worlds, um, there's worlds which are just full of dust, um, uh, which obscure uh, vision and things. So, so are you battling the elements as well? Like when you're in volcanic world, that would make for an epic theme park. It, volcanic yeah, world. Yeah, it's 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 certainly another variable because heat is one of the things that you have to really manage. Oh, bad timing. I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention mm. to my review. No, but I did want. Like I was wondering though. Like I mean, this one looks. I'm I'm watching it on the screen now, and it just looks like green mountains so there's nothing ob- obstructing your view or making it difficult for yeah, them look, to do anything you are but you are really right lava or there's arctic ice or there's i don't know what's in another planet yeah look there other are things because heat is one of those things that you have to manage with your giant robots because they've got huge heat generating weapons on them uh you uh they there are lots of uh, interesting little uh, foibles like you can uh, stand on thermal vents which just send you heat jetting up or you can jump into a lake and uh, just fire from there and you can fire like crazy because you never heat up um yeah but i, I mean I, it's important to to notice there are those those boring things also mission design um uh, once you get through a certain number of basic mission types um uh, then um, you run out and you find yourself repeating over and over again, which is is a problem. But the the game manages to rescue that because the most interesting missions are actually the uh, the story arc missions, which are quite different from one from another. I mean, you only get w- one shot at them and then they're over. But it's nice to uh, break up the um, the more generic missions with those, and and it feels satisfying. Also, uh, you goals as a player i don't i'm not sure if they actually worked this out before playing it and i was certainly feeling it myself but it was really good i read an article um which uh, pointed this out uh, big time it basically turns into pokemon at a certain point um because uh, you um after you've got over that difficulty plateau and certainly um after you've got through the story mission the only reason that's left to play is to collect them all because you hmm. can go onto the battlefield um you um Instead of destroying the enemy mechs, you uh, can shoot the head off an enemy mech, for instance, or shoot its legs off, collect the salvage, and build your own mech out of it. Uh, and there's a, a between 20 and 30 mechs in the game, and especially the late game, uh, huge, big bruiser assault mechs. Um, you just there's a great 
great drive to to get every last one so that you can complete your collection. That sounds pretty cool. I like uh, yeah. I, I love collecting for collecting's sake. You know, I'm mm. a gamer. But uh, is there an end game beyond that? I mean, you know, are there then challenge missions that you can go on or uh, a multiplayer feature? No, they, they get, use they get kind of... Um, I haven't played multiplayer, um, but it is there, and I think a lot of people mm. are going to get a lot out of that, especially with, a, as I said, the kind of stupid AI. Um, you're going to uh, find that that will give your game a lot of a lot of added t- survivability, uh, replayability. Mm-hmm. Thank you, for goodness sake. Um, <laughs> you got there. Yeah, uh, I think another th- really good thing about this, I, I don't feel the uh, the stuff that's left out of this game is cynical. I, as a, again, as I said, it's um, a small budget uh, Kickstarter thing, and uh, I think there's a really great scope for uh, uh, expansions here and adding extra stuff, uh, like... Uh, that star map that they've got, um, you know, this if they started adding extra worlds and that with their own things to do on them, which actually mattered and made traveling around there a, a thing to do, that would be really great. That would be really interesting. Um, and and also, um, as you said, with the uh, the maps being fairly generic, if they started adding in extra mm. ones of those um, with uh, quite wildly different challenges to them, I think that would be really exciting too. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, the thing I kept coming away with from this, it's amazing for such a bare-bones game how good it actually is, and there's uh, so much more potential to do stuff in the future. Cool. We've been talking about Battletech, which is available for the PC, Chris. It is available for the PC. It's on Steam and GOG and uh, many other sites. Okay, cool. Thank you very much for that review, Chris. Pleasure. Glad to have you on the show again. Tom, you went down to Sydney last week or the week before. When was it? Uh, oh, a couple of weeks ago yeah. now. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Who cares? There was a Counter-Strike <laughs> tournament, big deal, big esports thing. It was very exciting. <laughs> Trying to hype you up here. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm I'm as hype as it gets because I went to IAM Sydney, which is uh, Intel Extreme Masters Sydney. It's a, it's, uh, I, I only actually found out after it was over that they were doing StarCraft as well, which I would have loved to have seen. But on the on the main big stage in this arena, uh, one of the big ones at Sydney Olympic Park, I can't remember what it was called. It was named after some brand. Uh, they were playing CSGO, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which is a team-based game, five against five, uh, two teams fighting each other, one trying to place a bomb, the other trying to defuse it terrorists versus counter-terrorists that's it yep. that's it you lots got, of like, guns your, your m16 pew-pew. your submachine guns your grenades your flashbangs your helmets <laughs> yeah. your tactics yeah go 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 alpha team go yo yo yeah yeah you know on my six get ready all that well I, I just don't need to play now because i've pretty much seen the real life thing right here well i don't need to play either <laughs> and in fact i've never really played this game uh, I just watch it. I started. I started watching. So this is going to be a great review. I started. Well, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Please got, continue. That's the whole point of this review. Actually, because it is it's no yeah. longer like for me. You know, I realize that I'm I'm too old now to play competitive games to a level that I feel good at. Like my reflexes are too slow. I don't have the time oh, or the, the inclination, dude. Like, I am so old now, and I'm still younger than you. Uh, uh, Tom's in his late 20s. Yeah. Just for your reference. 29, which is almost 30, which is almost dead. Yeah. Um, 
He's nah. But anyway, so I went along to this event with uh, I couldn't get an accurate number from of the crowd because Channel Seven reported that there were twenty thousand, but other people were saying there were seven thousand. Anyway, bunch of bunch of people all there to watch these big teams from all around the world. Um, and what was great about this event was that it was the big teams from all around the world. It were the the number one guys, all the people that. That, that play in the big matches over in Europe and stuff yeah. that, you know, you really feel disconnected from in uh, in Australia. These are real professional real professionals, players that make a actual, living, get endorsements, guys. they yeah. get paid to play the game. And yeah. not only that, but they're celebrities where they come from. They're, they've got their own Twitch streams and they make big bank and stuff. Dude, these guys make crazy money. And, and I only really, it only really clicked with me when I got into the media room and the interview schedule was up. And these guys, whose names that I'd known because I'd seen them play, uh, were were there to be interviewed. And I was like, oh, God, maybe I should actually like do a bit of research. Mm-hmm. And so I looked up these guys. <laughs> Always I looked up these super guys, organized. Super organized. Mm-hmm. You, like, totally supposed to be there. Um, I looked up these guys and, and realized that, like, you know, even some of the lower level ones had made, like, millions of dollars in the past Get couple out. of years. Like millions. legit millions of dollars, millions, huh? Mi- like, and that's just prize money alone, you know. Like these guys, these guys were serious things. And I think I think I'm sort of reevaluating my life. I know. I'm like, I know. What, I know. Why like... have I been wasting my life doing crap I hate? And I was sitting there. I had I had dumb <laughs> yeah. questions like, and I'm not a millionaire. Parents around the world should be listening to this right now and encouraging the use of video gaming. Yeah, yeah. The worst part of it is I probably play as many video games as those pros do. I know. I'm just playing the wrong, playing the wrong games yeah. in the wrong way. They'll make more doing? playing games than being a dentist. So <laughs> encourage consoles I guess you have computers. to be good or something. Yeah. Look, probably, dentists, well, you've be good to be dentists dentist don't too, have right? an arena full of people cheering their name. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> Root canal. Drill, 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 drill. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, off track. Focus. Um, but yeah, so so these are these are some big time celebrities, and mm-hmm. I've I've got this list of questions that are like, so uh, what do you think of esports? Is it a thing? Um, and <laughs> meanwhile, there are other people in this media room who've been following this thing for you know decades and and know exactly what they're talking about. So eventually, I sort of realised that that was not my role there that I should probably just go along and 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 enjoy the crowd and the atmosphere and whatever else and um you know this was this was a big tournament it was week long but uh in the arena it was just the finals for the last three days uh so three days of gaming did you get bored watching at any stage like being new to this uh well when I say I'm new like I've 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 watched CSGO tournaments online before sure and for me that was that was one of the really interesting things because i mean you're there the players are right in front of you on stage but they're all looking at their screens and you know they're obviously too small for you to see so you're watching the big screen up the top and the big screen is just what you would see on a live stream if you're at home yeah and so there's there's this kind of like you know discombobulation in terms of like why am i sitting in a room like i didn't pay money for my ticket but other people did um, why why are they sitting in their room? Why why did they pay money to, to to see something that they're sitting in the room? And really, it comes down to like crowd interaction. You know, the fact that you're there with all these other people who are just as excited as you. Everybody um, uh, is it's is, like is wearing sport, their team though. jersey yeah. and stuff. It is totally like any any sport. 
you know, I, I I was sitting there going, oh, this doesn't make any sense. And then I was like, I've been to like AFL matches where, you know, you're sitting up in the bleachers, you can't see really what's going on, whatever. Better see and, you, and you're thinking, I would, I, I could see better from TV. But yes, as you keep on, you know, undermining and second like yes it's the atmosphere so it's these it's the atmosphere it's all these this this massive crowd of people all cheering for this stuff and uh and for me at first that's like hey this that's really cool everybody's in on this mm-hmm. but uh the crowd getting into it like crazy like they're they're singing the national anthem like their chants of Aussie 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 uh they're sledging players uh like they're they're <laughs> They're basically yobbos. Okay. Well, uh, hey, let's talk about our Australian guys then, mm-hmm. because there were Australian. There was an Australian team. Yeah. 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 How how did our boys do? Uh, there were some. There were there were a bunch of Aussie teams that that really showed up. Uh, did a great job. Uh, the best were Renegades. Uh, yeah, the boys. Uh, Renegades got knocked out in the the semi final. Uh, but everybody great to get that far though. It was it was great for them to get that far. Everybody was very excited. Um, uh, but you know the 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 crowd. Just to get back to that, uh, really, I mean, I I I wrote a page of notes from the whole weekend, mm-hmm. and one of them was uh, the crowd makes Twitch chat look sophisticated. Um, Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. Uh, because Twitch strat, Twitch chat is a notoriously toxic place that you should avoid at mm, all costs mm. because of all the racism, homophobia, sexism, all the isms. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't quite so ismy, but um, actually, probably one of my favorite parts of the weekend was a chant. Uh, people started chanting "Feed the Snake," and I didn't know what they meant until I saw down in the front of the crowd someone had started piling up their plastic beer cups. And so people were all uh, uh, sending through the crowd to the front of the crowd their plastic beer cups and, and feeding the snake and making this, this great long thing that eventually like it, it took five people to hold up and stuff. That's some good recycling practices. I thought, I thought it was brilliant, you know, like, <laughs> uh, but the, the security guards didn't think so and, and these guys got, got kicked out, um, to which Aww. the crowd, you know, started booing the... Heckling the the security guards, uh, it's it was this crazy, bizarre experience with with so much chaos, and at the same time you've got these these incredible matches between these professional players going on. Uh, for me, the reason I wanted to go was because there's nothing else like this of this level of this caliber in the whole of Australia, and it's basically the mecca for esports. How do the players focus with that going on in the background? Like that's very different to playing at home in the silence of your home. Yeah, I think I think the short answer to that is they're professionals, um, and the yeah. long answer is like it does affect them. Uh, the players sometimes interact with the crowd. Uh, and, yeah, like and... if you've got feed the snake being screamed <laughs> over your shoulder, like you're going to take your eyes off the screen for a second to work out what the hell's going on, right? Maybe. Yeah, I think, you know, you've got headphones on, you're pretty mm. focused, you're there to do a job, um, but, Just cut out the you noise. know, all the players said that, that, the, that the crowd has a big effect on them and, and whatnot, and you could definitely see the, uh, the, the difference in morale between the teams who were sure. being cheered for and the, those who were being jeered. Um, the, 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 the poor 
dudes who beat the Australians uh, were not liked by the crowd <laughs> okay. and and <laughs> ah, yes. were defeated roundly in their next match. Mm. Uh, possibly uh, due to the crowd uh, hating them so much. So hmm. uh, the answer to that question is, I don't know, probably has an effect, hmm. the crowd. Yeah. Well, Tom, that sounds very exciting. Uh, do you, 20 seconds we got until the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that esports is catching on here in Australia, judging by the turnout and the atmosphere and the reaction to the event? There's definitely a a, um, a non-mainstream vibe to it. Uh, you know, people are there. We're all nerds and we're all nerdy. Um, and there's a sense that we're doing something almost subversive, mm-hmm. uh, almost something naughty. Our parents are letting us out of the basement. Um, so... Uh, is it mainstream? No. Is it catching on? Definitely. Very cool. Mm. And what was the name of the tournament again? Sorry, a bit of a mouthful. Intel Extreme Masters Sydney. Cool. That's it. And that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of Zed Games. Zed Games is produced with the assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We'll be back next week at the same time. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.